0: And it's almost a little, a little miracle, the whole process from tending to the vines and the patience of the process and what it takes from planting to enjoying that bottle of wine at your dinner table.
1: Small businesses are the backbone of the American economy and here in Michigan, but only 50% will make it five years in business. On Mitten Money, host William Zank will focus on helping Michigan-based business owners with the tough questions that will help them succeed. How do I expand my business? What options do I have for retirement? How do I move forward? Having worked with small business owners throughout his entire career and with excellent attention to detail and strong analytical skills, William Zank of TriStar Trust will unearth answers to these questions and more. You can subscribe to the podcast and learn more about how William and the TriStar Trust team can guide your small business at tristartrust.com. Good morning,
2: good afternoon, and welcome to another episode of Mint Money. This podcast will focus on helping Michigan-based business owners find the answers to the tough questions that will help them succeed. On today's show, we invite on Faye and Luke Pickelman on the podcast, who co-founded Soul Squeeze Sellers. We talk about how a hobby for winemaking ultimately transformed the opening Soul Squeeze and has led to producing many high-quality wines and ciders that are sold all throughout the state. So welcome, Faye and Luke, to Mint Money.
0: Thanks. Thanks Great for having time.
2: us. Yeah. Well, thank you for taking some time out of your day for all the listeners out there. It's a beautiful day outside. And so it must be a treat to be able to go keep you guys inside and be able to have a nice podcast interview. So I really do appreciate it. So let's get started. So what about winemaking made you both interested initially in exploring it more than just a hobby?
0: Well, initially for me, I think it was, I had the opportunity to go and study abroad in France for a little bit. So I think the seeds were kind of planted there. I really loved their appreciation for what wine was as a celebratory item, as something that brought people together. And so it really sparked my interest to go and look into it and study it more. And Luke and I did that for a while together just by experiencing, tasting different wines and really coming up here to Northern Michigan and wine tasting and just exploring the industry a little bit. But then when we decided to start a family, I went back to school for winemaking and grape growing, which is viticulture and enology, through the University of California Davis Extension. And I learned a lot about, obviously, how to grow grapes and tend to them and know how to do the winemaking process. And so in that, I was just really personally inspired by the connection with just farming and the land to the natural process of winemaking and fermentation. There's a real connection, and it's almost a little miracle the whole process from tending to the vines and a patience of the process than what it takes from planting to enjoying that bottle of wine at your dinner table. It's just, it's really amazing.
1: Yeah. And then from a culinary aspect, I think Faye and I got really interested and serious about wine about 15 years ago. We started really testing and trying to develop our palates. We found that there was a just a huge world in terms of wines from around the world. We focused a lot on old world and West Coast wines at first, but then I think our travels to the Traverse Area region, we started to see and appreciate what our home state, which we love, were lifelong Michiganders. And we started to see that there was real potential here. And there were some great winemakers up here way before us that got this whole ball rolling up in this area. And as this industry in Northwest Michigan has matured, people have been really Innovative and uh, doing their homework about what kind of varietals and clones and things like that to grow and what we grow well in Michigan. And now, as you probably are aware of, some of the Michigan wineries have won some major awards and we're following and we're trying to follow in that vein there to continue producing higher and higher quality Michigan wines. And so we became really excited about the fact that our home state could do this.
2: Yeah, that's very interesting. And so, what about Lelanau County made you? interested in starting Soul Squeeze there in comparison to maybe starting it in Saginaw County or other parts of the state. Is there a certain part of the county that makes it good for winemaking?
1: It is. Well, so it's not just about Lelandau County or Old Mission Peninsula. It's the Northwest Michigan region in general. And so there are two American viticulture areas up in this part. An American viticulture area is an area that has been designated by the federal government as appropriate for growing vinifera wine grapes. So Saginaw County has a much different terrain, obviously a much different climate, but the proximity to Lake Michigan here gives this region the ability to have what's called a microclimate. And because of this, certain types of produce, including wine grapes, are suitable. And so that's why we chose this region as a whole. We farm wine grapes on both Leelanau Peninsula and Old Mission Peninsula. We're from out of the area, we're from Saginaw like you know, and we see this whole place as all in it together. There's two different AVAs here, but we actually, so Soul Sweet Cellars has grapes and wine from both peninsulas. We're more of a regional based operation. In terms of our brand, we chose Leelanau, Lake Leelanau in particular. For our brand, we are a little more boutique style, a little more fun. We are really focused on being engaged with our consumers. And teaching them about wine and making them appreciate what we can do here in Michigan. And honestly, Lake Leelanau and that whole Leelanau, Central Leelanau hub of wineries really fit in with our vibe and our whole business outlook. And that's why we chose Lake Leelanau for our tasting room. And so when you mentioned teaching, is
2: that an aspect when someone goes wine tasting, a little bit of informal teaching that goes on about the wines that you guys offer?
0: That's the beauty about the wine tasting, the wine tasting trails up here is that you can go out and about And you can taste multiple different kinds of wine in one setting. And there's so many knowledgeable people up here from winemakers to business owners to even the tasting room staff that know a ton about the area's wines. And you can learn so much within just a few minutes by just doing a short little wine tasting or a tasting trail for a day. That should be a proponent of all wine tasting is the education because it's not people aren't just going out to... Indulge in alcohol. It's more of a learning process to say, what can we learn about this amazing gift that we're given? What does it take for this glass of wine to be in my hand? Another beauty about wine is that how many hands really touch that product before getting into your hands. From the farmers, everybody touching the grapes and tending to them all season long, to the winemakers and the staff at the cellar, and then into the finished bottled product, into the tasty room staff their hands, and then what special care is taken. So I think it's really um, important for the consumer to know what is in their hand. It's very special.
1: And that's exactly where our name comes from as well, Soul Squeeze. A lot of people come into the tasting room and they ask where the name Soul Squeeze comes from. And really, it's what Faye's talking about here. We put a lot of importance into our farming practices, and what that means is that we do a lot of things manually. We do a lot of things, as much that we can do without synthetic chemicals, as much as possible, and we entered this industry through the farm, and we really learned firsthand as being, we formerly professionals, and then we became farmers. So this journey has really showed us how much work is into producing that bottle of wine or that glass of wine. We call it a soul-squeezing process because... It takes a lot of faith and it takes a lot of perseverance to see a business through in this industry.
2: Oh, definitely. And so I know for myself, I have a lot of friends who have winemaking as a hobby that they like to do in their free time. And it sounds like you guys both have different professional career backgrounds prior to jumping into winemaking full time. And so at what point throughout that winemaking process did you guys think or at least have a conversation? Hey, you know, this is something that we can do full-time if we wanted to? like, What was that defining moment within your guys' own thought process that said,
1: yes, let's go jump into this? That's a good
0: question. That is a really good question. Wow.
1: (laughs) It was something that we always talked about. It was a dream of ours. And when the opportunity arose to purchase our first tract of land and begin to develop our first small vineyard here, we jumped on it. We started farming while we were still working. I was still driving back to Lansing on a weekly basis uh, as a lawyer. And that was the first few years of this really. And we learned a lot in that time. We became parents of multiple children during this time as the farm was growing. And then it became apparent that it was time to start thinking about what we were going to do in terms of a brand. So we kind of grew with the idea, but the idea was always there. It's almost like we just got taken along for a ride and a little bit. We planted a seed in our heads and we started moving in this general direction. And eventually we've had some wonderful people help us along the way. We've met such great people up here that have helped us, our staff, our winemaking team, consultants in the vineyard. So you can't do any of this without that type of help. And we certainly have received it. So for someone like myself who doesn't know that much about wine, what's a good way to
2: find a wine that I might be most interested in?
0: So first and foremost is going on these wine tasting trips. I'll first start, in, I guess, in like, if you're going to go to our area, it's great to go along the wine trail. There's so many different wineries that do so many different things, but we do a lot of the same consistent varietals too that do well up here. So you can compare a lot of those same varietals with different wineries. If you're looking for something more local and don't want to travel too far to have that experience, a lot of your local Wine shops and restaurants actually do a lot of wine tasting. They do wine dinners. They'll open some bottles of wine from the same winery or from several different wineries and do different kinds of tasting. So it's always good to look into your local wine shops and things that do a lot of those so that you don't have to travel too far out of your area. I always encourage people also to just grab a group of friends. This is how Luke and I kind of started too. with really the hobby portion of it is Grab a group of friends, everybody bring like their favorite bottle of wine or just something different to the table and like get together and just talk about it, talk about what your favorite stuff is. And you can learn really a lot from just your friends and each other from the experiences they've had. And they'll say, hey, try this. This was really great. We had this at dinner the other night, or somebody brought us this bottle of wine or bought us a wine for a gift and is sharing it. And again, that's the beauty of wine. You're bringing people together every time that you open that bottle. And I always encourage people to like, don't be afraid to try something new. If you go Mm -hmm. to a wine tasting or anything and you're like, ah, I don't really know that bridal. I don't know the name. I'm not sure. The best way to learn about wine is through experience. So if you don't know the name, great. It might end up being your favorite wine in the end. Just give it a try or go to a wine shop and ask the experts there and say, hey, what's new? Give me something that I've never even heard of before. And they'll point you to something that'll... It'll probably knock your socks off. There's just some wonderful and amazing things around the globe to try. I mean, there's over 5,000 different kinds of wine varietal species out there. I mean, so it's endless. So I just uh, encourage people to just always try something new and don't ever turn away from that new experience.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. Those are all really good ideas. And so, how much does social media have an impact on your business? Is it one of the top ways for new customers to find out about Soul Squeeze?
0: Yes. I mean, you can't underestimate the arm reach of social media. It has been a big connector for us, especially with connecting with people who are already on the wine trail. A lot of people look at our Instagram feeds or our Facebook posts to see like what's new for the day, or if we have any special deals or just getting the word out there about like what's going on, like reservations or anything like that. So we can't underestimate the arm of social media. It does do well for us.
1: We like to educate people too through yeah. our Instagram and Facebook posts, show them different developments in the vineyard. And certainly like when we're about at bud break, we'll do posts about that. And then as the season progresses, we'll do posts on like some of the bigger jobs we're doing in the vineyard that are very essential to that final product.
0: It's a way to kind of keep in contact with your customers, not just at the end result of tasting wine with them, but throughout the farming process. Again, that part of education that they can tap into.
2: Has the rise in popularity of ciders been more of a seasonal trend or one that you expect to stay around for a longer term?
1: Well, they've been making hard ciders in America since the Constitutional Convention of 1787. So those guys were all drinking hard cider back then. About 10 years ago, I think it really started to, in Michigan at least, become very popular. Michigan has the ability to produce some really great cider apples. So I think That it's not so much a seasonal thing. We have seen some ups and downs in terms of demand for cider. At Soul Squeeze, we view cider making as this hybrid. I mean, in the end, it's apple wine. In a way, too, it's kind of a link to the beer industry as well, because we capture a lot of beer drinkers that are on the wine trail with their wives who are wine tasting. And there's a lot of women that love cider as well, but we do capture a different type of consumer that maybe they're not so much into wine, but they like beer, but cider is kind of a bridge between the two. We do many different types of ciders. They're also a creative element to our business. We do a hop cider with Centennial Hops. We do a tart cherry, of course, we're in Traverse City, so we need to do a cherry product. (laughs) We do a juniper berry cider. We do a barrel, many barrel-aged ciders, bourbon barrels, tequila barrels. We have one called Yuzu Tron right now, where it's blended with yuzu fruit and aged in tequila barrels with a little bit of agave nectar. It's pretty popular at the tasting room. Cider's fun. We're a winery and our focus is wine, but cider one of those markets that I think will persist and it will grow. At what rate? I don't know. We've seen it go up and down. So
2: was that something that you guys had originally planned out for wines and ciders? Or has the primary focus more, I shouldn't say focus, but did you guys originally start off with of wines and then do ciders? Or is it something that you guys did initially at the same time?
1: We have always been focused on the wines. But if you know anything about building a winery and planting a vineyard, that takes a lot of time. So while we were farming, we started messing around with cider. I was just getting into it a little bit. So it was Faye, And we ended up really liking it. And so we actually came on the market first with our flagship ciders, our BooBot and Bip ciders, and that was our first product in the market. And that was because they're quicker to produce. They're just easier to turn around.
0: Yeah, we never thought we really that we'd get into ciders. It just, again, we got pulled along with it, I guess. (laughs) Do
2: you guys mind touching on how long it takes to potentially make a cider versus making a
1: wine? Touching on that point a little bit? Well, with ciders, you crush the apple we ferment our cider juice with champagne yeast so you can turn around these ciders in a matter of what would you a few, say a, a month months
0: and i mean as far as when you get from the process to the canning portion it's a few months because you got to do sterile filtration and all that kind of stuff so it takes a little bit to get in the can but compared to winemaking i mean if you're starting from ground base of planting a vineyard to growing to your first vintage I mean, even that span is anywhere from two to three years to get your first varietal vintage. And then the winemaking process, I mean, it depends on if you're doing whites or reds. Whites are a little quicker of a turnaround. Reds, you usually have to age a little bit longer, depending on the style that you choose. But that could take several months after that process to then bottle and then, or, and or age the wine and then bottle age. So, I mean, you're talking anywhere from, six to 18 plus months of getting your wine ready to go to market
1: and then there's also the bottle shock period where we actually hold the wine for a substantial amount of time before we
0: even sell it so the bottle shock period is just the process of the wine kind of settling down after it's been handled so much and moved around and we let that kind of settle out before it's ready to be consumed and go to market
2: oh that's really cool really cool And so do you mind talking a little bit more about wine competitions? And for someone, again, just using myself as an example, who doesn't know that much about wine or the competition aspect, is that one of the best ways for your wine to kind of get out there? And then what does that competition look like? So is there like a grading process for different wines?
1: There are. There's a whole slew of different competitions. They can be local. They can be regional. They can be international the panel of judges, which it's always going to be blind tasting, but the panel composition can be a lot different in each of these as well. It could be uh, sommeliers, other types of wine industry professionals. And there's a lot of competitions out there that use average consumers as well to judge these. And each of them has their own scale, really. They are a good way to have your wines reviewed. And Certainly, when you do well, you can publicize that. Now, we're new to the wine competitions. We just started to get involved in that world. I'll let Faye talk about what the sensory analysis is with the wine competition, what they're looking at in terms of the product. Soul Squeeze has entered into a few, and we've won awards. Our Rieslings have received double golds in the Michigan wine competition, and we're in a few more where we're waiting the results on right now, uh, national competitions.
0: Yeah. And what the judges really, it is an analysis. It's not just like, oh, I like this wine and I don't like this one. It's really a thorough investigation of what the wine has to offer. I mean, they look at appearance for clarity and color, the aroma, taste. I mean, they look for the mouthfeel, your aftertaste and finish. I mean, they're really dissecting this as kind of a scientific discovery of what the wine has to offer. They call it like kind of like a science discipline as far as just breaking it down and discussing the acids, the sugar levels, what it's literally feeling like in the mouth and how they feel about it. There's psychology behind it as well when you do sensory analysis. So it is a pretty thorough investigation of your wines. And it's nice to kind of have somebody else go through that, like an independent party. And it's really satisfying when they come back and say, that was amazing. It is a good way to get out there as far as marketing and for consumers to get to know us better, but it's very satisfying for us to know that there's other people that really are liking what we have to offer on that kind of a level. Yeah, that's really cool.
2: So if you guys had to identify one wine on your menu that you guys would say is your favorite, or I guess what is now your favorite, maybe that can change throughout the year. Maybe if it's a more of a lunch setting comparison to a dinner setting, if you guys had to pick one wine right now, what would
1: it be? Well, I'm a sucker for our barrel aged chard. We have some really great Chardonnay grapes. I'm a fan of Chardonnay anyway. It's the most widely planted varietal on earth, and it's incredibly versatile in terms of style and characteristics. Ours, we age for about nine months in French oak. We keep the barrel tones to a minimum. We keep the, it's not a buttery feel, it's more of a creamy tones with, like a pineapple zest. I can drink that in all seasons. And that's probably why that's my favorite soul squeeze wine.
0: I'm more of a, like a seasonal wine drinker or in the moment, like, yeah, what am I having for dinner or that kind of thing? So mine changes. We do have a lot of really delicious whites on the menu and they're really nice to drink and refreshing during the summer. So as far as that's concerned, I loved our Pinot Gris. That's a really nice product. It's uh, It just has some really nice fruit forward notes. It's full bodied. It's come out delicious every year. So that's what I tend to maybe during the summer months. Right now, my favorite actually is our Pinot Meunier. It's a sparkling rosé and it's done in a traditional champagne method. And it's turned out really wonderful. It's got some strawberry and almond tones. And it's just a really nice refreshing beverage. And we're serving it during rosé all May up here. And it's gone over really, really well. So that's probably what I'm into right now. But typically, I'm a seasonal wine drinker. And then I'll lean a little bit more towards reds in the fall and winter. (laughs) Sure, sure.
2: Definitely some good things to go look into. And so for the listeners who want to learn more about you guys, Soul Squeeze, or want to go find your products, where are some good places for the listeners to go visit?
1: Well, we are distributed statewide. So it depends on where your listeners are at. Your local wine store, you can always ask for us and we'll get there many wine stores around the state of Michigan do carry Soul Squeeze now. If you want to learn more about us, you can always visit soulsqueezecellars.com and look us up also on Instagram and Facebook, where we regularly keep our fans in the loop on what's going on with the business and with the vineyards.
0: The best way, come visit us if you get a chance. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's always the best way. Come on up to Lake Leelanau.
0: Yeah, we love to meet our customers and we love to have that personal connection with them and share our story and get to know them as well. And then we're able to more educate them and guide them to what they might like and just enjoy that experience.
2: Good. Thank you. So thank you everyone for listening to another episode of Mid Money. We love all the feedback that we received. If you haven't already, please rate and review our podcast. Additionally, please follow our podcast. So you don't miss when new episodes drop. Thanks, Luke. Thanks, Faye. Thank you. Thank you, Will.
1: You've been listening to Mitten Money, sponsored by TriStar Trust. Subscribe to the podcast and learn more about how William and the TriStar Trust team can guide your small business at TriStarTrust.com.